Prince Track by Track, I'm your host Darren, and today we're going to be talking about Look At Me, Look At You from Hit and Run Phase 2, recorded summer 2014 at Paisley Park and released on the 12th of December 2015 at the urging of someone on Twitter, was the <laughs> was, was how Prince did it, which always amuses me to no end. Uh, on the track we have Prince, we have the returning John Blackwell, I think this is the final collaboration between the two of them. Yes. Uh, we also have Xavier Taplin and Marcus Anderson, and once again String Genius makes an appearance i believe uh prince for some reason started using this website i'm guessing because claire fisher had passed by the time um he made this album and obviously the technology had enhanced to the point where you could have a website do you a string arrangement and then you could stick it on a a song for a fee uh so that is what prince is doing uh the track is three minutes 27 and joining me to talk about today is josh norman hello josh hey darren good to be back with you Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, on according to Prince Vault, um, you know the the lyrics for this uh, track were found taped to a music stand in Paisley Park, uh, following Prince's death, uh, in Studio A. Um, which someone has in, inferred that maybe Prince was intending on recording some kind of remix of this particular track, um, you know, around the time of his death. Uh, I don't know why, because I think this is probably one of the better songs on Hit and Run Phase 2, probably. <laughs> so Boy, I totally sure. agree, yeah. Yes, so I don't know why Prince would feel the need to go back and remix, but then he's done that to other songs that, you know, I think people would have felt were, were okay already. Uh, so, you know, I guess, uh, I guess I don't know, maybe there was an idea of that. But the fact that the lyrics to this song were, you know, in Studio A, uh, around the time of Prince's death does bring us to the fact that obviously, you know, this is your final appearance on this podcast. And, and as I've been doing with all my guests, um, you know, I feel like we just have to talk a little bit about Prince's death. Um, you know, do you recall, you know, how you heard about Prince's death, where you were when you heard it? And, you know, what was the kind of impact in your life, uh, you know, of kind of hearing about Prince's death? Yeah, um, I was actually at work. It was nine o'clock in the morning. Um, here I live in San Antonio, Texas. I'm a creative director at a design studio. So everyone in the office knew that I was a diehard Prince fam. Um, so literally I had 25 people coming by my office to check on me and make sure I was okay and had my sister calling me, my wife on the phone with me. Um, you know, we had heard of, you know, his collapse on the plane ride home from his show in Atlanta and people were asking me what I thought about that. And at that point I was kind of brushing it off myself as well. You know, maybe he is sick. I did not think that, um, you know, he had lived a pretty clean life and never occurred to me that he might be, um, using painkillers for whatever was going on with him health wise. Uh, so I actually had, uh, my boss and another friend of mine took me out to sushi that day, uh, to make sure I was okay, which I I was okay. Of course I was very, very saddened. It was a shock to me. Like everybody, um, you know, didn't really hit until a couple days later. It's like, wow, I can't believe I've spent, you know, 
30 years out of my 44 on earth following this guy, listening to his music, and now there's not ever going to be anything new anymore. We're going to have to rely on what he's left behind and wait for the legal mess to be figured out, which here three years later, we're still waiting to happen. Um, it did lead my wife and I to make a trek in November of 2016 to Paisley Park. Um, we were um, not one of the first, but it was when it first got approved finally, and it was really set that they were going to be allowed to give tours and open as a public museum. Uh, so it did give us our first chance to get away from uh, our two children at the time. We'd never taken a vacation apart from them and spent three days away, went to Minneapolis, walked to um, First Avenue, did two different tours at Paisley Park and got to play ping pong on his ping pong table there in the studio and uh, hear some unreleased music that he was working on at the time. And that lyric sheet that you mentioned was there on display in Studio A uh, when we walk through also. So, um, you know, like anyone, lots and lots of sadness. It's a tragedy for someone with all the means in the world to get whatever help he needed and had to, uh, because of pride or, you know, privacy kind of skirted a health system and it ended up costing him his life, which is a shame. I think the thing that's been true as well, you know, as I've spoken to people about this is certainly the idea that people know that you're a fan of Prince. And when this, you know, when this happened, obviously people were kind of instantly checking up on the person in their life that they knew was a Prince fan. And so that seemed to be like a a common, that seems to be like a common trait of like, uh, that person likes Prince. And then as soon as they heard about his death, it's like, well, we have to check, we have to say something to that person. Like it, like it just became a thing that just, it's certainly true with me. Like, you know, pretty much everybody knew I was a fan. So it just became this thing where, Oh, I mean, it's, it's very friendly, very kind. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of human nature. I mean, for true friends to, to do that with you. So I appreciated it. I'm sure you did too. Well, and, and and I think the thing is as well, like you as well, like for a couple of days, I was like, well, this clearly isn't true. Like, yeah, you know, Prince is, Prince is fine. He's, he's in hospital somewhere and this is a mistake. And, you know, it, it's just one of those things where it did take a few days before you're like, oh, hold on a second. This is, you know, this is definitely 100 percent true. And, and yeah. there's, you know, you know, that is it. You know, like you say, I think the biggest tragedy is, you know, is not like the fact. I mean, obviously, everyone knew about the vault and all that kind of stuff. So and, you know, as fans, you look forward to hearing what comes out of the vault. But it is just the idea that there is there, there might well, there might be new music. There's not going to be anything that is truly new. It's just going to be, you know, old stuff that's going to be kind of put out from now on and. You know, it'd be interesting to hear it, but it's, it's you know, Prince isn't going to be there to kind of, you know, kind of write about things that kind of react to, you know, what's going on or react to musical trends. It's it's going to be, you know, just old stuff that's new to us. Yes, I don't know who's going to be writing things like this is the album I was born to make or uh, you won't believe what I'm doing now because that was that was his thing of <laughs> whatever he was doing at the time was the, uh, you know, the most intense, best thing he had ever done. So the hype machine will be missing for sure. Well, let's talk about, you know, this this kind of I guess this song takes on a slightly different meaning when you like you say the you know the lyric sheet is still in studio A, I'm guessing, you know, for you know, future tours to see. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I I don't know that this I don't know that it particularly gives special meaning to this song. Although I'd say, you know, out of the stuff that was on Hit and Run, you know, uh, volume two uh, which, as with you know, phase one is just kind of a, a kind of random collection of songs that Prince had put out. Yeah. Um, and again, included a song that had been around for decades that was kind of resurrected out of the vault as well. So, uh, you know, a common theme there between phase one and two. Um, 
you know, you, you kind of, uh, you, like, you have this song which is, um, you know, him working with John Blackwell again, you know, it's great to, like, it, you know, being quite a few years between, um, you know, the stuff from, like, 2004, 5, 6, around there. Yes. So it's been almost a decade since the last time he'd worked with John Blackwell. Same thing happened with Michael Bland as well. There were a few songs that mm -hmm. came out with Michael Bland that was, like, a decade away from it. So I guess Prince needs a decade away from a drummer to realize how much uh, he enjoys working with them. And right. so we have this kind of, this little kind of short, like, jazz ballad, I guess I would call it. You know, with this, uh, I don't know, with this wonderful kind of horn stuff from uh, from Marcus Anderson. Mm -hmm. um, and just a wonder, like a, you know, just a, a nice kind of like light touch from uh, John Blackwell on the drums. Nothing kind of overwhelming, and Prince with you know a really a really kind of nice, uh, you know, really kind of nice vocal line as well. Like everything in the song just feels very, um, uh, I don't know, kind of like very very deliberate. And you know, Prince again, you know, the the tragedy that he was kind of at the peak of his powers, like just very much kind of slipping into a genre. And being able to just kind of do like, a, you know, a nice little three and a half minute kind of like jazz ballad. And then, you know, that's it. He's out of there. Um, <laughs> and interestingly, he never says the title. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of him delivering the title in the song. But unfortunately, he, he does this weird thing where he reverses it at the end. Look yes. at you, look at me, which right. I think is actually the more natural way to put the phrase rather than look at me, look at you. Yeah. Um, but I guess if you're Prince look at me is probably what he's always thinking and then, <laughs> and then look at you is always the afterthought so yeah. so but i do kind of like the the fact that he you know he'll start he starts the song with look at me and then the end of the first verse it's look at you and you know he does he does that look at you as the kind of the the punchline to to the kind of the verses um and we get him invoking ray charles here again and yes you know, as he had done in uh, De Bourgeoisie, where he, right. you know, he, he kind of referenced Ray Charles there as well. And this whole kind of thing of like, even Ray Charles can see, which, you know, like, I, I don't know, he, he did this in Tic-Tac-Toe as well, where it's like, yeah. you know, uh, a bunch of blind people playing Tic-Tac-Toe. So I don't know what, I don't know what happened in his later years, but he seems to be kind of fixated on, on, uh, on, on blindness. <laughs> I, I don't know why, where that's come from. Um, but he also obviously name drops Stevie Wonder as well, which, you know, like, uh, I, I'm trying to think about when So What the First was, probably more than a decade before this, or roughly a decade right. before this, it was like, yeah. uh, but I, I don't know, those are, the only, those are the only two kind of people that he name drops here. I'm guessing maybe Ray Charles was on his mind, because I think this is around the time that the, well, no, it would have been, been like a decade after... Um, Jamie Foxx's Ray, wouldn't it? So yes. I don't know. Maybe he he maybe he watched that film again at some point. And, maybe and it, and it kind of stuck in his mind for a couple of songs that he keeps mentioning uh, Ray Charles. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I just like the vibe of the song. You know, like the kind of you know the the back and forth of an earthquake. I, I you know kind of sounds sounds like you know like earthquakes are generally seen as like being kind of disastrous but i like that prince is painting it as this like you know back and forth of an earthquake because <laughs> if it's some kind of like gentle swaying or something um you know right. it's kind of the strong and sturdy tree i ask me i ask myself this question but it's still a mystery um and then of course you know like the how am i going to balance my uh, how am i going to keep my balance when i look at you so yeah. in the the, the kind of the the payoff of the title you know that is is looking at Prince, but then, you know, this kind of uncertainty that he feels looking at this other person. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I like a bit of vulnerability from Prince. Um, even if he, he, even if his metaphors here are a little bit kind of odd, the whole, you know, the whole kind of like Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder thing and this back and forth of an earthquake, they, I don't th think that they really kind of fit with the overall kind of vibe of the song, but I still, I like this kind of, you know, we get here this kind of vulnerability from Prince of, 
not being able to keep his balance when he looks at whoever this other person is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't want to speculate on exactly who he's addressing the song to, but I think, you know, most Prince fans could probably, you know, put a guess in. Uh, like you said, I thought um, Hit and Run Phase One was sort of this youthful side of him. It's a collection of songs and, uh, you know, he's working with younger people, younger uh, group of uh, musicians and giving produ- production credit to... Uh, Joshua Welton, where Hit and Run Phase 2 came off to me as a much more mature album, certainly less, maybe less energetic, I guess you could say, because of all the craziness and sound effects and vocal effects that are used on Phase 1, where Phase 2 is sort of a return to the analog warmth um, kind of recording that I really love to hear from Prince. Um, So this song sort of summed it up for me on the whole album. This is like sort of the sound of all the songs that he collected to put on phase two sort of sound like they revolve around look at me, look at you. Um, Like you said, it's, it's relatively short in and out at three minutes and 27 seconds. Um, and I didn't notice until I was revisiting the song that he sings uh, in falsetto, kind of pushed to the background and sings in a deeper register over it for all the verses, which I had not really noticed until I really started listening to it very closely, um, which I thought, again, it's just him harmonizing with himself is always kind of nice and um, just shows that his uh, his vocals, I don't think they ever started to, you know, fail him at all they're very smooth and and great throughout the song yeah i i think i think that's the thing as well with a lot of the songs on um on you know on phase two in particular is they are a bit more serious um you know obviously like baltimore you know like uh you know yeah uh even even like stare which kind of you know recalls sexy dancer of all songs um yes. you know like the, there's there's a bit more and and you know stuff like black muse and revelation like there's a bit more kind of thought that's been put in whereas like you say yeah the like the influence of joshua welton on on phase one uh you know seemed to kind of inspire this more like you say the kind of sound effects and the kind of the vocal effects and everything whereas here right. it's just literally prince and you know uh, probably one of the the best drummers he's ever worked with just yes. kind of putting together a very simple kind of like groove and just then over the top of that, you know, the wonderful arrangement of the uh, of the horns and there's like a, a little flute line that goes through here. And even, you know, even the kind of like, um, you know, the kind of string genius strings that are kind of uh, in the mix. Everything is is like kind of very kind of very well thought through and it doesn't have the kind of... Um, you know the kind of uh, I don't know what to say, like kind of intensity of of stuff on phase one. Like there isn't there isn't this kind of busyness to it. It's it's very much like you know Prince uh, taking his time to kind of just you know go through and do kind of the stuff that he was kind of doing between like Rainbow Children and, and yes. musicology. Just kind of you yeah. know take just kind of being a bit more serious and a bit more thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I still I still kind of like you know the, the this spell the, the kind of the little sentiments of you know please don't think too ill of me. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, kudos over you. What else is the uh, really when I look at you? You know, uh, and and like I said, the kind of even Ray Charles can see you, Stevie Wonder can too. <laughs> like uh, just the kind of you know thoughts well up in wonder, thinking about me and you. Like again, uh, it does feel like there is someone that Prince is singing this to. You know, I don't like to veer too much into the autobiography because when it comes to Prince, you can always end up getting a little bit lost in that. But some of the sentiments in this song, it does feel like, 
you know, particularly when he has he delivers the final kind of like punchline of the when you look at me, look at you, look at me. So it's like it's not just you know Prince looking at this person, but it's him seeing how they see him. And, you know, obviously mm-hmm. that's always, you know, just like how other people see you is always kind of a little bit more revealing than, um, I don't know, Prince staring at himself in the mirror and deciding to write the song Cream, you know, <laughs> like, you know, rather than his ego, like 20 years after that kind of sentiment of like, you know, you're filthy cute and baby, you know it here. He's just kind of saying, you know, looking at someone else and seeing how they see him is, is, you know, is something that he, he enjoys. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's like an interesting sentiment. Um, and certainly one that is more befitting of someone kind of approaching 60 <laughs> rather than, you know, a youthful kind of 30-something as, as he had been when he did Cream. Um, Prince performed this song a little bit before, you know, his, uh, you know, before his death. Uh, he performed it kind of in early 2016. The last performance was the 25th of March uh, in Canada um, <laughs> at the at the Sony Centre in Toronto. Um, and, you know, I guess it's probably one of the songs on phase two that probably works best as like a, a piano ballad, um, you know, so I can kind of understand why he, he kind of put it into his set list. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just like it's just one of the kind of more kind of mature songs on this album. And, right. you know, I think I think between phase one and phase two, I think phase two is probably the more satisfying album to listen to because, even though like half the songs were just kind of like random songs that he'd recorded in between um it does feel like there's a little bit of thought and kind of in in the song selection and uh you know it does it does kind of feel a bit more like um you know an attempt to kind of get a, a set of songs together that will sound like an album rather yes. than phase one which does very much sound like just a kind of random collection of songs um you know uh so is there anything else that you feel you need to say uh josh about look at me look at you no no i'm with you with you know if i had to pick between phase phase one and phase two i'm a phase two guy there are there are things i like about phase one but uh the return to kind of a more analog warm band simplistic studio sound um from phase two was something i thought was um more interesting um and like I said, I, the the whole album to me seems to revolve around. The, it was like, I'm I'm sure this isn't how it went down, but it seems to me like you could take "Look at Me, Look at You" and that's uh, you know your first draft pick, and then you could select all the rest of the songs around it to build highs and lows on an album. And it just seemed to me that's how this one flowed. Um, so it's it's one of my favorite songs from the album. Uh, for me, I would say uh, you know a solid four out of five. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I I I don't I don't know what else Prince could have done to get it up to a five, but I think you know for Prince to still be putting stuff out this strong, you know, uh, right up to the end, uh, you know, just a testament to how good he was as a musician. Um, and you know, I think this this album is you know yeah for sure. And like you said, the return of John Blackwell on drums is, is yeah, great. It's it's good it's good to hear them together like you know one last time. Uh, unfortunately for both of them <laughs> at this point. Um, so yeah, so I'd say a solid four for me. Uh, I'm right there with you. I would give this a four out of five, maybe four and a half out of five. Um, it's, I like a lot of this album. I think it's right on par with the song. Um, so you could probably ask me about any song on this album and I'd probably say four to four and a half out of five for the entire thing. It's, um, it's unfortunate that it was the last thing we got 
Uh, but it was a really strong effort, I thought, and I, I think that's that's a good thing. Uh, so we've said about as much as we can about Look at Me, Look at You, so let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Josh? Yeah, thanks, Darren. Um, I co-host another Prince podcast with my wife. It's called The Mountains and the Sea. Uh, we pick uh, an album of Prince's and uh, review it and then take a look at any B-sides, remixes, uh, associated artists, concerts, fashion, that type of thing associated with that era of Princeton. Uh, we list our highs, which are mountains, and our lows, which is the sea. And we also pick a time capsule from that era that sort of exemplifies the sound or look of that particular era of Prince music. Then um, we have strong discussions over who may be right, who may be wrong. Um, you can find us on Twitter and on Facebook at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S, podcast. And you can find our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast. Or you can email us, not sure where you would, at PrinceTrackByTrack at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being my guest on these many episodes, Josh. Thank you, Darren. It's been good to look at you today. <laughs> and otherwise, goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Just came to tell y'all From the darkest desperation To the highest bliss Power to the ones aware